Hi, this is Tia Sirkar. I play Sabine Wren on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Twin Suns Transmission. Of course, it ends where it becomes a desert planet with twin suns. Hey, my name is Taylor Gray, and I play Ezra Bridger in Star Wars Rebels. I hope you enjoy this week's episode of Twin Suns Transmission. Here's where the fun begins. Let's make this a bit more interesting. You've taken your first step into a larger world. Take off your tail! Nothing will stand in our way. May the force be with us. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Twin Sons Book Club podcast. I'm your host, Eric Pfeiffer, joined, as always, by Amanda DeFonzo. Hey, everyone. And Jesse Sanfilippo. Hey, guys. So, for the month of April, we read through Queen's Shadow, guys, and this one is uh, very exciting to me. I, I don't know why I've really enjoyed the books that we've got from sort of like that prequel era, like, you know, with Dooku Jedi Lost and Master and Apprentice and even um, Dark Disciple, which we hadn't read for the book club. But I really enjoyed that one. And this one sort of continues on that uh, in that timeline following Padme's story from uh, the time of her reign as queen ending up through her sort of initial experience as a senator. So, uh, Amanda, we'll start with you. What do you think of the book as a whole? Well, I really love Padme no matter what, so this was just an extra special treat for me. Um, I loved the book. I loved everything that we got to learn about Padme. Um, I really enjoyed the in-depth look at how her and her handmaidens work together mm-hmm. and everyone's different roles because you can kind of see what they're doing in the movies, but it's not as clear as it is in this book. So the amount of detail that we got was just incredible. Yeah. I really like the description of the fact that like all the handmaidens wear hoods all the time, you know, so you can't see their faces as much. So that way, mm-hmm. if they need to switch, then, you know, it's it's not as noticeable because you don't really know what the handmaidens faces look like all the time because they always have something on their head. But Jesse, what did, what did you think of the book after reading it? This was your t- second time through, right? Yeah, this is my second time through and I really enjoyed reading it a second time. Um, I feel like whenever I, you know, think back on some of these star Wars books that I've read, I, I the only thing I really hold, like the only information that stays is what, how the characters have grown and I start to see a character the characters in a new light and I think this book does so much for the character of Padme it's incredible um so I kind of forgot most of the actual plot (laughs) since I since I had last read it so I was almost like reading it for the first time in that sense but it this book is so good I absolutely love it I love what it does for Padme and it, it definitely made me appreciate her character more than I ever had from that first time I read it. I've just been so much more a Padme fan than I ever was. I feel like I've said this before, but when I was a kid, I just discounted her for her wearing, you know, frilly dresses and just thought she was, you know, some girly girl lady that didn't really matter because I was too naive to see how awesome she was. Um, But this really kind of makes you think deep and realize just how awesome Padme is all around. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And this, uh, E.K. Johnston, the author, really did a fantastic job sort of going in depth because you watch the movie and you see the handmaidens and you see them do their switches and, you know, the the Amidala voice versus the Padme voice. And we see all of that. But E.K. Johnston goes into fantastic detail describing everything that goes into what they do you know the contouring of the makeup to look pe- to make people look exactly the same the mm-hmm. um, you know the training with the voices the Padme explaining to Sabe everything that happened in the Senate and what her viewpoints are and so if they ever need to switch Sabe knows what to say you know and I think you know EK Johnston just nailed it with that but let's talk about some of the handmaidens real quick because uh, the handmaidens are a big part of not only the queen, but the senator as well of Amidala. And um, after I say these, uh, please feel free to try to say them by yourself five times fast 
because this is going to be a mouthful here. So we have, uh, while she was a queen, Sabe Sache Yane Rabe Irte as handmaidens for Queen Amidala. And then once she becomes senator, Dorme, Verse, and Corday. So um, I think, you know, obviously we, we don't really get to see too many of them say anything uh, other than Sabe in um, episode one. And then in episode two, we have Corday say a couple things. Um, but what did you guys think about these handmaidens actually getting to like see their personalities and and uh, learn about what they did after their service of Queen Amidala in episode one? I think it was one of my favorite parts of the book, if I'm being completely honest. Um, getting to know them and getting to know their purposes and their viewpoints and the close relationships that they all had, like how close Sabe and Padme are, mm-hmm. they can look at each other and know exactly what the other is thinking and base what they're going to do going forward off of that. And the fact that Sabe took it upon herself to take up Padme's mantle um, and going to Tatooine to try and free as many slaves as she could because Padme had never let go of that desire to help them after she'd seen what she did uh, during episode one. So that was really striking to me that Sabe would take that passion as her own and go and, you know, try and do what she could on this, you know, desolate desert planet. Sabe said multiple times that as long as Padme needs her help, that she would be there to serve her. Like, that's that's an incredible amount of dedication. Yeah. Gold star, Sabe. She gets yeah. the cookie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, the handmaidens were, it was a real treat to get to know them. I feel like it just deepens that, like, everything that Padme does and every one she surrounds herself with is for a purpose. It's not, they're not just, like, her hairdressers and her people who pick out her clothes. They they each have, like, a skill set that makes them, like, this, like, power team that mm-hmm. could, like, take on an, anything and everything. Um and that you just, I feel like I just learned to love some of them, especially Sabe, like to the same extent that I love Padme. <laughs> really? Wow. That's, wow. It's a lot of she's, love. Yeah. She's awesome. <laughs> I do I love mean, yeah, Sabe Sabe's as well. Sabe's cool. <laughs> yeah. She's awesome. I also really appreciate Dorme because Dorme pulls off all of these switches and she can do a switch in under 10 minutes and have both girls ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. They're like little trained, like, I don't know. I just think of them as like little ninjas. Like they, they are. Have... <laughs> yeah, they're, they're fantastic. And obviously we know what happens to uh, some of the, some of the handmaidens. Um, you know, Corday sticks out as one that explodes uh, in episode two at the beginning, uh, as Amadala, right? They, they yep. did their switch. So Corday was Amadala, um, and Verse was on that, that ship as well when it blew up. So that was the mm-hmm. end of those two. Two handmaidens gone with one explosion, sadly. But yeah, so I mean, the handmaidens played a huge, huge part. Um, I think one thing that kind of stuck out to me was the history of Naboo and learning that we, you know, Naboo is such a artistic culture and like you can see that in the designs of the gowns and stuff but like everybody has their own thing some people are singers some people are artists some people are seamstresses and some people are like scientists almost like i don't remember which one irte was irte the one with the algae i can't remember which one was doing that <laughs> who one. went to Uruganga? yeah but they all have their own little thing and it was kind of cool to see how that worked. And uh, going along with the history of Naboo, seeing the transition of power between the queens, you know, they had that royal scepter that they sort of have as a symbolic, you Pass know. Pass the baton. Yeah. And that was cool to see as well. And that's, we don't get to see any of that in Star Wars. And so if you like a lot of these, you know, secondary pieces of information or, or um, if you want more uh, like I always do when it's Star Wars, I always want more. And so these 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 novels are are fantastic at showing you what you don't get to see in the film. Yeah, I think that if people aren't reading the books, they're seriously missing out on some of what is personally my favorite Star Wars content. Yeah, I mean the amount of detail that we are able to get in these books. 
is amazing and it makes me love these characters that the films gave us that much more. So one thing that I thought was really interesting, and you know, I, I am not an expert on Nebu culture by any means, but it got me wondering because of the different movies we see different queens. So we have obviously Queen Amidala in episode one, and then in episode two, Queen Jimala. Episode three, we have Queen Apilana, and then in the Clone Wars, we have Queen Nyutni when we see them go to Nebu uh, in the Clone Wars. And I was like, how? What's going on with all these queens? Um, but they say in this book that, you know, it's two-year terms. So I thought that was kind of interesting to see kind of, uh, you know, the carousel of all the queens come and go. And they can serve, you know, like Queen Relata in this book. She was a queen prior to Padme and then did another term after she had left. Yeah, because they can each serve two terms. Yeah. And I thought it was cool that the Naboo culture kind of celebrates a young like young people they Mm -hmm. they want their queens to have like a young mind and and that kind of goes into like them being having only two terms it's like fresh ideal i what's the word ideologies fresh ideologies fresh ideas um they're always like keeping things moving and you'll never have a palpatine situation yeah and they want (laughs) to they want to keep that um the innocence that these girls have at a younger age. Um, they, they kind of value it, I guess. Yes. They think it's a more truthful rule. Yeah. Well, we do get some new characters, some old characters, and some characters that uh, we are familiar with because of the Clone Wars. And I know not everyone that has read this book has seen every episode of the Clone Wars. And so if you do want to kind of stay spoiler free, I would fast forward a little bit because we are going to be talking about some of the characters in the Clone Wars uh, that kind of play some major roles. And the first one is Mina Bonteri. And as soon as I saw her and knew that she was going to be in the book, you know from season three, I think, yeah, season three, Heroes on Both Sides, I believe is the name of the episode, where we see Mina Bonteri, and she's actually part of the sort of separatist Senate, you know? So we see that she sort of defects from the Republic, and she's being a little, you know, a little uh, suspicious in this book. Um, with her, you know, hidden conversations and everything. But were you guys a little skeptical of what that relationship was going to be like? Or did you guys feel pretty confident about uh, her role in this book from Clone Wars? Um, I was, I think that they are point blank spelling it out for us that this is where she is in talks with Dooku. Um, This is where she is unhappy with how things are going in the Senate. And I think she actually was conspiring to sacrifice this plan that she had worked on with Padme to further the Separatist plot so that she could start moving herself over. So that's why she um, kind of left Padme and our other friend in the dust. Yeah, because when she proposed the motion, it failed. Mm-hmm. And then when Padme sort of took it by the horn, she didn't show up to help at all. No. And she had been in a conversation, and the male on the other end of that had said, the Separatists are going to take care of this. Yeah. Or not the Separatists. What did Who did he say? I don't remember. Oh, I don't remember. But, or the Trade Federation, maybe. Maybe that was it. Yeah, I I enjoyed seeing her and seeing kind of, I mean, in the Clone Wars, we're just kind of introduced to her as like an old friend of Padme's. It's just like the nature of Padme to see both sides. So that relationship makes sense in the Clone Wars. But it's cool to see kind of the other path that Padme could have gone down and that she did Mm -hmm. have the opportunity to be on the Separatist side. Like if she had just kept going with Clovis and with you know, um, Mina Bonteri and it stayed and never really, you know, shoved her way into the Mothma, uh, Organa side of things. She could have very well ended up on the opposite side because it's, you know, Mina Bonteri isn't exactly like villainous in this episode or in this book. She, she's not helpful, but she is a friend to Padme and it could have easily gone the other way. Yeah. I like her little comments about having to call her son and things like that, you know, because we know who he is. 
Um, so I think that was cool that E.K. Johnson sort of brought that little, you know, those little tidbits in here as well. Now, Jesse, you mentioned that Clovis was in this book as well. And Clovis, obviously, he's he's kind of a character when watching him in The Clone Wars that really makes you want to pull your hair out just because he's so wishy-washy, <laughs> you know. And yeah. it's just like, come on, dude. And then, you know, reading the book from Padme's perspective, you know what she's thinking. And then when he kisses her, it's like, whoa, <laughs> what are you doing, bro? <laughs> No, thank you. Know, you. <laughs> because you don't see it. I mean, from Padme's perspective, that's not something that she was expecting. And she sort right. of opened herself up a little bit more to kind of work with him and, and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, it's just like, whoosh. Um, dude, What step back. signals do you yeah. think I was giving <laughs> off? Because you are clearly mistaken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I was equally ripping my hair out reading him <laughs> yeah. in this book as well. <laughs> like he has one thing on his mind and I mean Padme's kind of able to manipulate him on multiple occasions because of that so I guess he's a useful tool in that way yeah, yeah. it was really cool for me to see some of these characters like this come back because I think you know we talked about this even when talking about the Clone Wars and bridging you know the Clone Wars with episode three and these types of interactions that Padme has at this younger age and younger, you know, position of, of being a senator, it's cool to see how they then evolve and show up in um, the Clone Wars animated series. Um, Anaconda Far, who doesn't play a huge role in this book, but we do see him again in the Clone Wars. He is a friend of Padme's father, and he was one of the uh, senators that Mina Bonteri had suggested that he, that she sort of get closer to. Um, but I thought it was funny how he was a friend of her father's, and so he was a family friend of, of the Naberis, and yet he you know, was talking to Sabe as Amadala, thinking it was Padme. I'm pretty sure that was when he was talking to Padme. Yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, it was, he, it was, it was definitely Sabe. Sabe, and Padme he was kind of no like, idea. oh, well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it worked. Dem- demonstrating how good their techniques are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was cool. Fantastic job incorporating Clone Wars characters in the novel. Now we get some of the older characters and characters that we are very familiar with, like Mon Mothma and Bail Organa. In this book, we also get Gregor Typho. So Captain Typho, uh, who is a sergeant in this book, uh, gets to be a captain in Episode 2. And to me, Captain Typho seems kind of like Happy Hogan from Iron Man. Like, he was like, you know, the head of security that was always like almost over the top. Like, you know, you got to be yeah. protective. But like, he was like badges, guys, badges, you know, like, <laughs> like Happy from Iron Man. Like, <laughs> it just reminded me of, of him, but um, it was great to see some of these older characters. What did you guys think of having uh, Mon Mothma, Bale, and Typho in? It made me really happy that we got Bale in this. He's one of my all-time favorite Star Wars characters, so I'm always excited to see new aspects of him. And in this one, the beginning of the book, there's almost like a cold dissonance between him and Padme because they're both trying to read each other. So yeah. seeing their relationship in the Clone Wars where they are so warm and friendly and there's this um, rapport between them and then being introduced to the beginning of their relationship mm-hmm. was super weird for me. <laughs> no, no I, I love them too because when he kind of finds her out and realizes that she's using decoys, I feel like if any if that would have been anyone else, they might have looked at her and then distrusted her, you know, like use that as a reason to be like, oh, she's shady. She's not trustworthy. She's trying to deceive us. But he like notices it and just laughs and like sees her for what she is like. She's smart. She's over there, you know, creating the distraction we need while getting in on what we're working on. And like he just sees like truly sees her in a moment when she's trying to hide herself, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I feel like no one else could have done that in that moment. Yeah. And it's cool to see Padme grow as a senator, too. And we see her get help from both Bale and Mon Mothma, especially Mon Mothma, with learning how to speak and how to navigate. And and almost, she made, I think it was like a comparison to, um, like like negotiating something like you always reach really high and then kind of meet in the middle. Um, and these are things that she learned from on Mothma and what we see in the Clone Wars and, and even episode two and three, it seems like, it seems like Bale almost follows Padme 
Like, Padme's the one, oh, um, Uncle Anno got killed, let's go do this. And Bell's like, I'll go with you, you know? Like, it seems like they're they're almost following Padme in the Clone Wars, and here Padme's sort of reaching out to them to become allies and kind of help and, and sort of learn from them, uh, being the younger person in the, in the Senate. So I thought it was kind of cool to see that growth. Mm-hmm. And I also really liked seeing Padme's um, growth of how she is with her handmaidens and also her how her fashion evolves as she goes through this because she starts off going into the Senate still having some of her queen's garb and stuff and still being a little bit over the top with the headdresses. And then as it goes and after she goes on her furlough um, back to Naboo, she really steps into herself as Padme the senator and no longer holding on to those bits of Queen Amidala and, you know, steps into her new self. So I yeah. thought that was a really interesting, like, she traded out all the over-the-top dresses, brought over some easier-to-travel-in stuff, um, some things that were a little more concealed. And even with the f- makeup and the uh, mm-hmm. um, the voice, right? She yep. sort of right. she dropped went the back voice. to her own voice, and yep. And she also um, kind of showed the shift between her and her handmaidens that they would no longer be taking on her specifically her pe- her Amidala persona, but they would be doing their own different roles as her handmaidens going forward. Yeah, all those little details just made me appreciate E.K. Johnston so much to to take all those little tiny details and make them be not just coincidental or not just, you know, surface level. Everything got taken to a deeper uh, meaning. It was kind of like the way you when you listen to Dave Filoni talk about the Clone Wars and all the different symbolism and things that he, you know, gets that you don't even realize until you hear him say it. It's almost like she just took things like that that were always meant to be Padme and just like shoved it in our face and been like, this is who she is. Like, get all these little nuances and things that she's doing. See them for what it is. She's incredible. Yeah. She gets Padme, and I mm-hmm. am so grateful for this book. It makes me so happy. I know that was one thing you were kind of worried about. You're like, I don't know. I hope she doesn't ruin Padme. But, <laughs> yeah, she did a good job. I've always loved Padme. I'm like, oh, gosh, someone's writing her. I Like, I've got to trust it, but I'm scared because I really love Padme. So this was yeah, just the most pleasant reading experience for me. Let's talk about some of the new characters that we got in this book. And one of them is Mariak. Is that how you say it? Mariak? Uh, Mariak. Mariak. Mariak Panaka. So this is uh, Korsh Panaka, Captain Panaka from episode one, his wife. Uh, and what'd you guys think of her? I like her. Yeah. She's a funny one. Yeah, I like her too. She's just the, the kind of like mother hen protective always there when she's needed which is pretty cool now she didn't have a huge role um but it was kind of cool to see that uh her and panaka kind of disagreed on some things and what panaka's uh role was going to be after after this they're actually both captain panakas which i think is pretty funny and that's why she Um, goes by her maiden name yeah um but then we get another new character and this is a character that i actually really appreciate uh captain tonra and uh, his interaction with Sabe, and you could tell that like he really likes Sabe, and he would sort of, you know, bend backwards to be accommodating to her, and you know he was willing to take a step back if he felt like he was, you know, you know, overstepping his bounds a little bit, and um, they got a little got a little freaky with it for one of those chapters. Bound shake bound bound. I know. Um, I was like, whoa. It's, uh... <laughs> Sabe, jeez. Wait, they yeah. just... Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but um, by the end, it didn't seem like... It didn't seem like Sabe really had that interest. I think I the like interest she... was... Sorry, go ahead. No, it's okay. I, I was going to say, I feel like she did. And I just... I feel like that relationship was just kind of... 
exactly what Sabe needed it to be. Like she doesn't have the time or like it's everything's Padme first, right? When you're a handmaiden and it's because that's how they want it to be. Um, that's just the relationship that they have and, and how devoted they are. And she warned him outright that that's who she was and that that wasn't going to change and that she wasn't sure that it was going to work. And he was just that perfect person that was like, yep, I get all of that. I accept all of that and I'll just see if we can make this work because I really want it to. So he was just kind of like that perfect partner for her in a way, even though it didn't work out perfectly. Yeah. And I don't think, I think that for her, every relationship that she has is going to be secondary to her purpose with Padme. Mm -hmm. Um, And like you said, he just, he got it and he was along for the ride and Sometimes the ride takes you separate directions, and that's okay. And they were both totally fine with it, and, you know, everything was always on respectful terms, so. I thought that, I thought that they were, there was the interest. Definitely seems like it's a, a complicated relationship. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. fingers crossed for however that works out. Um, <laughs> I know. But, so... The main the main story of this book was to kind of show Padme's uh, you know introduction to the Senate and to get used to being a senator. Uh, that was something that she kind of had to grapple with at first. You know, we have all these people that are trying to bring her down. She almost gets killed in one point because someone told her to go to the Senate where there's construction happening. She has all of these news you know networks that are trying to bash her and talk talk her down. Um, and she overcomes all of that. And part of that is, you know, gaining the right allies, but also, you know, not giving up and being and persevering and kind of pushing through all of her obstacles. And I think that is mm-hmm. so much of who Padme is. Um, so I thought that was great. And she had talked a lot about not ever having this, you know, first imi- uh, official motion that she hasn't been able to bring to the floor. And I don't know about you guys, but... Um, I loved Padme's speech to the Senate because it was it was like reading a speech, and I know that E.K. Johnston wrote that speech as if it were Padme speaking. But like even to be able to come up as an author, uh, you know, write a speech like that, I thought was pretty impressive. Yeah, it was a it was a classic a classic Padme speech. She did a really good job, kind of capturing that. Because I mean, every time you hear. Padme bring anything to the Senate. I mean, people call upon her. They bring her to Mandalore. Maybe you can talk some sense into them. They, she's just no. That is like such a Padme trait of being known to have a very persuasive voice um, that helps push things forward. So that was, I agree. It was she really nailed that. Yeah. So I want to talk about the last chapter, but there were a bunch of other really cool kind of cameos. And I don't know if, what what were your guys' favorite cameos in this book? There were a lot of interesting ones. And there was one thing, it wasn't really a cameo. I guess it's more like an Easter egg. Mm-hmm. Um, when they go back to Naboo um, and they, they're talking about all the different um, stained glass um, and different artwork that's done in honor of uh, Padme's time as queen. And I sent you guys uh, a little uh, picture, which I can post on social media later um, if you guys want. But there is a, um, in the Leia comics, the ones from 2015, they're just called Princess Leia. Um, she, in those comics, she's kind of like going back and trying to help the people who were displaced by Alderaan being decimated um and she returns or she goes to naboo and she looks up and sees these uh stained glass images of amidala of padme and i just thought that was really cool that that, to me that's what it was referencing back to i don't know i might be reading it wrong but immediately when they started talking about those i was like oh my gosh that's from the leia comics so they not only incorporated um you know episode one clone wars but they're going in and like pulling these little cute moments from even comics and calling back easter eggs from that i thought that was really neat i don't wonder if these um stained glass pieces the ones at galaxy's edge might be modeled after them 
because there's an, a Padme stained glass hanging and a uh, Leia stained glass hanging. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe. The first time I thought of, you know, the stained glass things, I was like, oh, that's when Captain Panaka shoots out the window and then they go up with their, you know, their um, ascension <laughs> guns because they had said, you know, that after the occupation they had to re- replace a lot of the, the stained glass windows and stuff. And we had just yeah. actually watched episode one last night and the glasses that they shot out were not stained glass, they were just regular windows. So I was wrong on that, but um, I'm sure other glasses were, you know destroyed during that battle yeah um how about you amanda any easter eggs or cameos that you thought were exciting um i mean we talked about bail i wasn't really excited to see clovis (laughs) (laughs) i was really excited to see mina bonteri though because i really enjoyed what we got of her in the clone wars and she did a lot for me watching the clone wars um with what little time we got with her to humanize the separatists Mm -hmm. yeah so it was really nice getting to know her a little bit better yeah I thought it was cool uh, in one of the Sabe chapters, she talks about how Tanra has really taken a liking to one of the diners down the streets, uh, down the street, and then we find out that it's Dex's diner, which I thought was hilarious, just because, I don't know, I just like Dex's diner. I knew you'd like that. Yeah. Um, Depa Bilaba, guys. Depa came in and actually did stuff. Like, she is a Jedi that we've kind of just seen in the background, like, sitting on her chair on the council or standing you know, at the, in the parade at the end of episode one, we saw her in, uh, kind of like the little introductory clip for, uh, one of the most recent episodes of Clone Wars, kind of standing there with Kanan, but I was like, we don't have a lot of Depa, and then when she came in and was flying around in her starfighter and, you know, messing up pirates, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I liked a lot what she said to Padme about how she hadn't changed, not that she hadn't matured because she had, but that she hadn't changed, and that was good. Yeah. That was a really nice bit. I also thought it was kind of interesting. Padme kind of mentions, it made me a little sad too, because Padme mentions the way that Depa Balaba kind of looks through her as opposed to the way Qui-Gon Jinn, she remembers him looking like at her and like seeing her and like seeing who she was. And she mentioned that Depa Balaba didn't have that same feeling. So that made me a little bit sad, but it kind of like, differentiates them as like a council member versus you know a forward thinker that Qui-Gon was but I thought that was kind of an interesting note that she put in there mm-hmm. yeah I really enjoyed seeing uh on Padme's break too when when they took a, a break for recess um Padme's uh you know not only went to Alderaan um, and got to talk with Queen Brea, which I thought was really cool because we don't get a lot of Brea. Um, mm-hmm. But also she went home and she got to see her family again and see her little niece. And um, I was talking to Amanda after she had read that part of the book um, about how in episode two, there's actually a deleted scene where Padme and Anakin, when they're back on Naboo, um, before they go to the you know the lake country or whatever, they actually go visit Padme's family. And so you can see her mother and her father. I don't remember if her sister's in there, but I think her sister's in there. And you can see Ryu, her little niece. So, Aww. yeah. And then, I believe you can. And then at the end of episode three, during the funeral, you can see them as well, including her niece. So Mm -hmm. obviously that's pretty sad, but um, it's cool that, you know, we get a little bit of them in some of the behind the scenes stuff or, you know, kind of in the background of some of the some of the movie scenes. And then we get them here and actually get to see sort of that um, family dynamic. And I don't think there's anything cuter than imagining our two playing with little baby Ryu, <laughs> yeah. trying to make her smile. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cute. All right, so uh, a couple other things I thought were pretty cool. Obviously, Mon Mothma makes that uh, you know recommendation to Padme that she should get a representative for her delegation, which we all know who that is. <laughs> She's like, oh, I think I have the perfect being in mind. All right, Jar Jar Binks. Emphasis on the word being, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought that was pretty awesome. And obviously, you know, Padme 
and uh, Mina Monteri differed quite a bit on different viewpoints and things. And, uh, you know, Padme was at one point kind of caught in the middle of it because you want to support your own planet, but then you also have to support the Republic as a whole. And I think, you know, for Padme, you want to do both, but you kind of have to pick the Republic. As a senator, you have to pick the Republic over your home planet with, you know, doing whatever you can to continue to put your planet's interests uh, in a good position. Let's talk about the epilogue, guys. So the epilogue to me was the most interesting part of this book because we see where Padme goes from episode one to two. We see her in the Clone Wars. We know she's a senator. We know she's good at what she does. And this book brought us to that point. But this part is this epilogue was almost like into the unknown. So um, if you've read the book before and maybe, you know, it's been a while or whatever, just a quick summary. So it begins uh, at Padme's funeral. So Padme is now gone. We fast forward quite a few, uh, well, a couple years. And, um, you know, we have Padme dead. And so Sabe is back into her little home and she is... Uh, determined to uncover what happened to Padme and she's going to go back to Coruscant to try and figure out what happened. Uh, she thinks that all the Jedi are gone. Anakin's gone. Versailles's gone. You know, Corday's gone. Obi-Wan's gone. She needs to figure out what happened and she gets a uh, comm from Bail Organa and what's going to happen now, guys? What does that mean? What is... What does this communication mean? And will we get this in our next book? Oh, deep in my bones, I believe that she is going to become some sort of fulcrum agent. Ooh, like, that's, that's what I feel is going to happen. And I hope, I'm hoping against hope, that they will provide us with, because she's already going to be changing who she is when her and Tanner go off. So I wonder mm-hmm. if we might get Sabe in a different character that we already know. Somehow. <gasps> That's oh, that'd be my so brain cool. cannon. Or my head cannon. Is that what they're called? Head cannon. It's yeah. my head cannon. My brain cannon. <laughs> <laughs> I love that though. I th- I hope you're right. That would be really cool. That's what I was sitting downstairs thinking about while you guys were podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's awesome. It's definitely not going to be part of the next book. I think you you mentioned that, right, Eric? Because the next book is a prequel to this book. Okay. Which... I I wasn't sure what it was going to be about because I I tried to read a summary and it was it's, it was very basic and I didn't want to try and dig into it even more because I was like I I don't want to read something I don't want to know about, but. I'm wondering if, at the time, maybe E.K. Johnston wasn't sure if there would be a prequel to this book, and so she kind of left things super open-ended. Yeah, and that's not to say that we can't get more of this in the next book's epilogue, and that might be a lead into a whole new series. Yeah. Maybe. Or in, like, true Star Wars fashion, every the timeline just jumps back and forth, and they just Confuses. put out different parts <laughs> yes. of the timeline whenever they feel like it. <laughs> Yeah. So, do you have any thoughts on what you think is going to happen next, Jesse? With with, with Sabe, Sabe and Bale. You know, I I hope that he kind of is presenting her a way to do everything she's talking about. Like she, in that moment, she's kind of like talking about how she doesn't believe that Padme could just, you know, die in childbirth with any, without any other factors involved. And she has all these things that she's left undone that she was working on that are just so, you know, easy to say, you know, reasons. Basically, it's a list of all the reasons why somebody might want her dead. Somebody like Palpatine might want her dead. Um, so I hope that he kind of like offers her a way to do more investigative work on that is kind of what I was thinking during that part, but I love your idea, Amanda, so much. I hope she pops up as like somebody or is, is fulcrum in a way that still lets her take her path through mm-hmm. redeeming Padme in a way. Yes. And I Not wonder, yeah, word, you know, <laughs> um, explaining Padme's yeah. passing in a more tangible fashion. 
Yeah. I also um, wonder if they, if Organa is going to let Sabe in on the secret. Because Bail Organa is one of the few people alive right now that knows the truth of Padme's children, that they did not go with her. I thought about that too. I kind of wanted her to be like some kind of background, like mentor or something, bodyguard or something to Leia and have her be like the only person that knows about Leia. Mm-hmm. Shut the front door. I just got goosebumps. <laughs> yeah. I think both those ideas are pretty cool. I would I would love to see Sabe, you know, be some sort of mentor to Leia. I would love to see her be some sort of, you know, secret agent. I just get really worried because it seemed like Sabe, I don't want her to get so full of rage that she, like, does stupid things, you know, because she yeah. clearly cared a lot for Padme. And not that Sabe, Sabe is stupid, but I feel like with her current state, she might make a rash decision. So mm-hmm, yeah. maybe that's what Tanra is going to be there for and, you know, to kind of, like, pull her away from making dumb choices. But it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out Yeah, and where we get that. Where are we going to get a continuation of that story? Because you can't leave us there like that. You can't do it, okay? <laughs> so <laughs> We can't handle it. The yeah. idea of it not going forward is, like, actually painful. All right. So before we go, I'll give you guys, uh, we'll start with you, Jesse. Just final thoughts on Queen's Shadow by E.K. Johnston. Uh, I, this book, it was just so well done. Um, it, it was it made me feel like it was like a work of art that the people of Naboo would be proud of. <laughs> like, it's it, the way the book starts, it mirrors, you know, the start and the end with Padme in the water and the flowers in her hair and it in two different times and it's just they it gave me such a deeper appreciation for Padme it added so so much to her character um and I just can't recommend people who are prequel fans or Padme fans or just anyone this is just an all-around deep dive addition to you know who Padme is as a person and it was just a work of art yeah this was in true Star Wars form poetry. And yeah. I am so happy that we got this. Like, I think this might be one of my favorite books that we've done, if not my favorite book that we've done in book club. Really? To date. Yes. I wow. really, I agree. really loved this book. Really? Really. I think, yeah, I agree too. Wow. And it wasn't even a Jedi book. Yeah. Which right. is like super weird for me because usually I'm like not as invested unless there's lightsabers and force willy nilliness and all that. Yeah. It's almost like the actual like plot. Not that it was a, I'm not saying anything in this in, in a negative way, but it was like the character of Padme was the purpose of this book. Yes. More than like some exciting adventure. Yes. And I don't know what it is, but that like, I loved it. Yeah, it was a character study, and it was perfect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think if you read this book and then you watch episode one and episode two, you'll have a much deeper understanding and much deeper appreciation of Naboo, Padme, the Handmaidens, and the whole whole shebang, you know? Mm -hmm. I think it really gives you a lot more insight into not only Padme, but everybody that surrounds her. Um, and even Clone Wars, too, with some of the Clone Wars characters that we get. I think it does a fantastic job. It does a fantastic job bringing everything together. Um, one thing that I wished was in this book, and, uh, you know, I talked to you about this before, Amanda, but Padme is not just a person that can use her words to defeat you. Padme, when put in a position where she needs to shoot you with a blaster, she will do it. And she will um, not miss. And she will not miss. And <laughs> I was waiting for that. I was waiting for her to like get put into a situation where she needed to you know, shoot her way out of it because they talk about her having blasters hidden away in her wardrobe and, and things like that. And she never, she never had to use it. I know. I kind of wanted her to pull one of her hairpins and stab someone. (laughs) That's what I was hoping for. (laughs) I feel like I was just satisfied in knowing that all those things that are about her wardrobe and everything like the the hairpin thing that later comes up in attack of the clones, like all those little things. It was like alluding to all the 
you know, crazy Padme antics that we know and love was like almost enough for me. Uh, it, it didn't, I didn't really feel like it was lacking in that way because of all those nods and explanations. No, it just made everything that much better. Yeah, I definitely recommend it. So if you're a Star Wars fan, especially fans of Padme or the prequels, like you guys had said, definitely pick it up and, and check it out. Um, if you are not somebody who enjoys reading physical copies, you can uh, download the audiobook, uh, which is read by Kat Tapper, who is the voice of Padme in The Clone Wars. So it works out pretty nicely. We do have one person that submitted thoughts on the book um, for Queen's Shadow. And this was Connie. She said, by far the best part of this book was the chapter on Padme's desire and plan to rescue Shmi from slavery. It bridged a gap from what we know before episode one to what we know in the future. Shmi's marriage to Kleeg with what's happening at this point in time. Um, I agree definitely on that. I really enjoyed the um, sort of addition of that storyline with the white sun that was uh, carved into the door, which to me, I mean, you can read into it what you want, but white sun is Baru's maiden name. So I thought that was kind of an interesting tie-in. Along that same note, I enjoyed the references to Qui-Gon and the small boy on Tatooine those years ago, which I also thought was pretty cool. Um, And she said, lastly, the reading of the epilogue of Padme's funeral was interesting and brought me to excitement to know more about Sabe and what was all happening around that time that we did not see in the movies. Again, it's all about the connection to what we uh, she already knows. Uh, she said it was interesting, however, that they think that Obi-Wan and Anakin are dead. We know better. <laughs> Certainly they yeah. leave you hanging at the end. We know the follow-up book is coming. So, we'll see. We'll see if Queen's Peril gives us any insight as to what happens after her death. They really need to. That's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> time jump, time jump. Do it. So thanks, Connie, for your thoughts. From Nicole, she said, anyone else see Palpatine's name and want to scream? Like, I want to tell Padme to outdo him now, but I just know that's not how it goes. I must add that I feel when Padme told Palpatine about going to see Alderaan, the one time I felt it wasn't wise of her. He's a wolf in sheep's clothing. I see this coming back to haunt her. Also, he's a real stinker. (laughs) He knows Padme could outdo him, which is why he doesn't want her on the committee. He's so cunning and manipulative, it makes me sick. Um, Can't agree more. (laughs) Same, Nicole. Same. (laughs) It's funny. If you read this without, like, if you were just going to, you know, read it without knowing anything about Star Wars, they'd be like, what? What? (laughs) He seems like a nice old man. Knowing what we know about Palpatine, (laughs) for sure. But yeah, I, Palpatine definitely, like, outwardly underestimates her. He, like, acts like he's underestimating her while, like, full well, like, fearing her almost and just trying to get rid of her. Trying to manage every her. Turn. Yeah. Yeah. I also felt like Padme was kind of walking into some traps a few times when I was totally wrong, though. Like, when <laughs> she gets back from her recess and they're like, oh my gosh, we have an emergency, you know, ses- session at the Senate. You have to go now. You have to go now. I'm like, oh, crap. She's probably going to, like, walk into another part of the building that's going to explode or something. Oh, God. Like, but no, it was just an emergency session of Congress that was called. So mm-hmm. I was, like, taking my mind where it didn't need to go. But... Yeah. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for your thoughts. And of course, uh, please interact with us on social media uh, with your thoughts on not only the book, but some of the discussion questions as well that we have. So we are going to be reading Queen's Peril, which goes along with this book. And as Jesse said, that is a prequel. So we'll get more of uh, Queen Amidala, right? Uh, yeah, it'll with, be kind of like Padme transitioning into Queen, if if I read the little synopsis correctly. Ooh. Okay. This was the book for April, Queen's Shadow, and Queen's Peril will be out on June 2nd. So there'll have to be a quick turnaround from May to pick up your book, but we will be doing Queen's Peril by E.K. Johnston for June. 
Um, and like I said, you know, you have to run out to the store or, or make sure you Amazon Prime it so you can get it pretty get close. Get those pre-orders in, guys. Yeah, for when your book comes out because we're going to be hitting the ground running on that one. But Amanda, we're yes, Eric. going into May here. So what are we doing for May? For May, I am super, super stoked because we are going to be reading The Rise of Skywalker novelization by Ray Carson. And yeah. it's going to be awesome. I'm excited about it. I enjoyed The Rise of Skywalker, and I'm excited to see what kind of new tidbits that we get in the novelization. Yeah, there's so much going on right now in Star Wars. It's it's almost like we flew by the end of the Skywalker saga by the seat of our pants with Clone Wars and everything else that's going on. <laughs> yeah. So I'm excited to kind of like take a step back and re-appreciate that end of the saga again. Especially with um, May the 4th, we're going to get The Rise of Skywalker on Disney Plus. So yes, that'll be nice to have hand in hand for me. All very exciting things. Uh, we do still have some more TSO Book Club pins if you guys are interested in that. Uh, make sure to send us a direct message on our uh, book club pages. And Jesse, what are our book club pages? So you can interact with all of our discussion questions and book club fun on our Facebook group and there is also a twitter page and those are both can be found under the handle tso book club so thank you so much for listening to our book club podcast where we discussed queen's shadow by ek johnston for the month of may and please feel free to join us it's not too late for our book in may and like amanda said we are doing the rise of skywalker novelization by ray carson thanks so much Enjoy your May the 4th, and as always, may the Force be with you. Thanks for listening to this presentation of the Twin Suns Podcast Network. May the Force be with you. It's controlled by the hut. Rendezvous point on Potterway. This time you are not a familiar team.